as you can see from what's up there, that we do have a fence as part of the talk this morning. Um, I am likely to offend. Um, so it's nice to have that. Good, that works. Nice to have that bundled up with forgiveness because, you know, we can put into practice uh, the forgiveness aspect of it uh, towards the end. Um, I, I planned this talk some time ago. Like, I didn't plan the, the meat on the bone of it, just the, the topic title, the meat on the bone of it, was finished um, in the early hours of this morning, as usual. Um, but the, the topic title and wanting to speak on forgiveness some, some months ago, and we're going through Freedom in Christ at the moment on a Thursday evening, uh, a group of us, and this Thursday's was Forgiveness. Um, which is really good for me because it's been great to have some really solid Bible teaching on the topic and some practical application of the topic right in the run-up to when I wanted to talk about it. Um, and so for those who are there on Thursday, some aspects of what you're about to hear might be familiar, but, um, but it's a very different, different take on it. And I, I love this topic. But first of all, a bit of group participation to get us into, uh, into the, the right frame of mind. Now, could we dim the light slightly, please? Because uh, it's a white on black. It's not particularly good presentation. I'd, I'd need you to be able to read this together if you would like to do so. It's the Lord's Prayer. Okay. Now, check the, uh, the reference out. Matthew 6, verses 9 to 15. So, um, you know, there are a couple of versions in the, uh, in the Bible. We don't want to, um, you know, start saying the wrong words together, but here we go. Jesus preceded it by saying, uh, This, then, is how you should pray. All together now, if you will. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Thank you very much. Uh, what's missing? Not from Matthew. No, no, it's not in there. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever, amen. Not in Matthew. No, what's, what's missing? Uh, this is a, an observation round, not a theology question. What have I neglected from the slide there? Two verses. Well done, the eagle-eyed amongst you. Matthew 6, verses 9 to 15. And I've put 9 to 13 up there because 15, 14 and 15 say... For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Whoa! Is that in the Bible? Is that, are we meant to take that at face value? What, what's going on there? That's, surely that's quite difficult. Is my forgiveness therefore conditional? Do I need to do something to be forgiven? What, what if I haven't even got anyone to forgive? Does that mean that God can only forgive me by the measure which I've forgiven others? And if no one's wronged me, can I be forgiven? You know, does it, does it play out like that? Actually, 
This verse isn't that controversial, and I'll lay it out for you over the course of this morning, but there are other verses a lot like it in the Sermon on the Mount, ones where it seems like there's conditions placed, but, uh, but as I say, we'll, we'll expand on it. Matthew 5 verse 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. The implications of that are that if you're not merciful, you will not be shown mercy. So to receive God's mercy, you must be merciful. If we carry on like this, to receive anything, you've got to be perfect in all things. But let's carry on. Matthew 7 verses 16 to 19 says, By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from bushes, from thorn bushes, or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good, good fruit. Excuse me. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can you get good fruit off a diseased tree. So it looks like the absence of good fruit in our fire, it, uh, good fruit as, as, you know, as trees, to take the analogy, means that we're going to be chopped down and thrown into the fire or hell. But if you look at the words carefully here, it, it's, it's quite interesting. It, it doesn't mean that bearing fruit doesn't make you a good tree. What it means is that the evidence of a good tree is good fruit. And that becomes quite important. A good tree bears good fruit. If you have fruit, you're a good tree. Have I said fruit and tree too many times now? Is it becoming one of those things where I can say fruit and tree in any order and you'll just go, oh, it's all words now, I've, I've lost you. Well, that's fine. Look, unfruitful trees aren't burnt. Bad trees are burnt. Good trees produce good fruit. Okay, we're going to move on from that. Matthew 7, verses 21 to 23, just a little bit beyond that, says, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine, in fact, I'm going the one before, sorry, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? It's not about what you do. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So recognizing that, uh, that Jesus is Lord doesn't save you controversial. We show his lordship by doing the will of his father. And even the demons recognize the stature, status, position of Jesus. Jesus is the son of God. Well, yes, that's a, that's a heavenly fact, but it doesn't doesn't save us. What saves us is applying that to our lives, not 
earned by what we do, but by living it out. Because we don't want to have it said to us, I never knew you. We want to know Jesus. Okay. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice, they're like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, and they beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. So those who put these words into practice, they're wise. Their house stands, stands firm. Those who do not put the words into practice, who hear them, they hear them just the same. They might even understand them the same, but they don't put them into practice. Their house comes down. So just to restate, we don't earn our forgiveness by forgiving others. I've not said that. We don't earn mercy by being merciful to others. And we don't enter the kingdom of heaven by saying, Lord, Lord. We don't earn by doing, but we can receive by being or by becoming. We can receive by being. So what that means is when we say belong, believe, be changed, that when we believe, we acknowledge that there's going to be a process of change, that we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, that we... we um, there's a Stephen Curtis Chapman song that talks about what about the change? What about forgiveness? What about the grace? Um, I want to live a life that shows that I'm undergoing the change. Not that I am perfect, but I want to live a life that shows that, that I am in relationship with Jesus. Which is brilliant. So this collection of verses, the ones that say, look, you will receive mercy when you're merciful, you'll receive forgiveness when you forgive others, is not a warning, it's an encouragement. You'll receive mercy. You know, you, you let your, the free gift that you're given overflow in mercy to others. You'll receive it abundantly. You'll receive forgiveness, more forgiveness than you can ever forgive others because you're being forgiven by the one whose very nature is forgiveness. And this is our motivation. You can forgive others. You will forgive them for what they've done, which is an incredible encouragement. And if we think right now of the worst thing that anyone has ever done to us or the hardest thing to forgive, we can often get caught in a bit of a trap where we say things like, but you don't know what they did to me. Or you haven't experienced what I have. Or in the words of the Vietnam vets, you weren't there, man. You don't know. Mine's a special case. And it's all well and good for you to say that, Pete, but you just don't know. You weren't there. See, I don't need to forgive because that's God's job. So I don't need to forgive this person because, you know, it's between them and God. Um, or I've forgiven enough already. They don't deserve any more. 
Or they haven't asked for forgiveness, so why should I bother? Or even, look, they'll only keep doing it. I'll save my forgiveness for when they stop doing it. You know, if you're in a situation where forgiveness needs to be an ongoing thing. And some of those are true. It's all well and good for you to say that. But, you know, I have I've, I've lived a, a, a blessed and sheltered life where the, the biggest wrongdoing that someone has done to me that I can recall is to do with the disagreement where we were probably both right. You know, that's the worst thing that's happened to me. Or someone's, someone's taken umbrage with how I do something and has let me know. Oh, poor Pete. Um, you know, I, I, either that or I'm really good at forgiving and you know, there's just no burden held on me. There's no, nothing that I can recall because it, it's dealt with. Maybe that's what it is. Let's go with that one. I'm really good at forgiving. But I am positive that there are people here who I have offended in the past. I'm, I'm sure there are, okay? And, you know, for that, I am sorry. Um, and I'm looking forward to, you know, your forgiveness. Um, cheers. <laughs> They'll only keep doing it. I'll forgive when they stop. Do let me know if that's an ongoing thing with me. Uh, and this is part of the process. I want to take this to its logical extreme and tell you a true story of forgiveness. Um, it's not, sorry, it's not its logical extreme because that's God, you know, um, sending his own son and, uh, and him dying on the cross and going through eternal, you know, going through that torment and pain that pays for our sin and is the process by which we're forgiven. That's, you know, that's the, that's the one. But by human standards, this one's pretty incredible. These two guys. Early one morning, Matt Swatzel was driving home from a 24-hour shift as a firefighter. That one's Matt, okay? He had only had 30 minutes of sleep in his 24-hour period, and he was less than four miles from his home on October the, 20, uh, October the 2nd, 2006, when he suddenly heard what he calls the most god-awful sound I've ever heard. Swatzel, then 20, realized that he had fallen asleep at the wheel and crashed, and when he got out of the car, he saw the car of 30-year-old June Fitzgerald. She was pregnant and with her 19-month-old daughter, Faith. Faith survived the crash, but her mother and unborn sibling passed away. June's husband, Eric Fitzgerald, that's this guy, A full-time pastor grieved the loss of his wife and child with close family and friends, including young people from his student ministry. One young girl told him that she couldn't help but think of how the driver of the car was feeling. He told her that she was right and that they should all pray for him. It was his opportunity to practice the forgiveness that he had preached so many times. You forgive as you've been forgiven, said Fitzgerald, referencing a Bible verse. It wasn't an option. If you've been forgiven, then you need to extend that forgiveness. Fitzgerald's forgiveness has created a friendship that is now six years strong. The men stayed connected by meeting at least once every two weeks, attending church together and eating meals at the Waffle House and other restaurants. Uh, Just the two of them. 
We recognised that when we first started meeting, it was unusual. We knew it was God, said Fitzgerald, now 38. To start, Fitzgerald extended his forgiveness to Swatzel's sentencing. As a county officer, he was facing a felony and harsh time, but Fitzgerald pleaded for a lesser sentence. I didn't see why this accident and tragedy needed to ruin any more lives, said Fitzgerald. Swatzel paid a fine and did community service. In the eyes of the law, justice had been done. Forgiveness and getting off with it without any payment are different things. When we are forgiven by God, it's because Jesus paid the price. He doesn't ignore what we've done. He pays for it. And so justice is different to forgiveness. But Swatzel wanted, um, or uh, sorry, Fitzgerald wanted Swatzel to, to experience not just forgiveness in the, in the spiritual sense, but also the practical work of that and a reduced sentence, which is incredible. Swatzel expected hate from Fitzgerald, but not so much love. He wanted to thank him for all he had done, but legally he couldn't speak to him uh, during the two-year criminal investigation. The day before the two-year anniversary of the accident, Swatzel was in the parking lot of a grocery store, you can tell it's American, but I'll carry on, after buying a greeting card to send to Fitzgerald the next day. He was just about to turn on his engine, and he saw Fitzgerald walking into the same grocery store. After an introduction, Fitzgerald told Swatzel, I have a desire to want to be in your life. With counselling and Eric's friendship, Matt Swatzel has overcome his anxiety and his guilt. Part of the tug I felt and the draw towards Matthew was he was a good guy. He wasn't a convict or on drugs. He was just a guy who got off a shift, said Fitzgerald. I felt it was my responsibility to encourage him and see the big picture. I can honestly say that without this friendship, I don't know where I'd be, said Swatzel, now 27. Fitzgerald has watched, has watched Swatzel become a family man and helped him raise himself from the abyss of guilt. Though Swatzel had Fitzgerald's forgiveness, he quickly realized he didn't have his own forgiveness. When his wife became pregnant with their son, he found out uh, was due on February the 18th, the same day as Fitzgerald's daughter's birthday. Swatzel's anxiety and despair just grew. Since I was young, all I wanted to have was a wife and son, so when it happened, it sent me to such anxiety and depression because I thought something was going to happen to them, said Swatzel. Because I'd been part of something happening to someone else. Fitzgerald, who has been remarried for almost two years, said he'll one day have more kids with his new wife though he lives further from where he and Swatzel first met, the two families visit whenever they're near each other. Fitzgerald believes he has gotten just as much out of the friendship as Swatzel has. It's powerful stuff. Put yourself in that situation, I'm sure you were, whilst I was reading it. And it's incredible. When you think of, or when I think of the the worst that could happen, it's along those lines. And so to have a real-life story of um, something, someone taking this, these verses written down approximately 2,000 years ago and applying them 
in the most powerful way, I think is huge. So I said this is forgiveness and offence. So what about offence? Now, sometimes we can rightly think that we are in the right and that other person that uh, we are called to forgive doesn't deserve our forgiveness. That practical application of it can show you that we can forgive those who just don't deserve it. And as I say, that's the thing about forgiveness. is It's not earned because that's called repayment, isn't it? Yeah? If it's earned forgiveness, that's just paying back. You, you've, done your, you've paid your service, you've done your time, whatever it is. Um, and so that's not forgiveness, that's just getting even. Eye for an eye. And we know where that leads. But we are called to release people from unforgiveness. So this word, offence, it appears in the Bible, uh, in, in the New Testament, um, about 15 times. 11 times it's translated as a stumbling block, okay? And uh, once it's a hindrance and twice they, they translate it as, as a trap in, um, in English. And the, the word offence comes from the Greek scandalon, and scandalon is the name they also give to an actual trap, a snare made from a young branch and, and set so that um, it's baited so that a, a small animal will go into it and be trapped. And that trap imagery for offence is incredible. Because we take offence, don't we? We're not given offence. Someone can offend you, but if you are offended, then you have taken offence. You've reached into the trap, and you've been ensnared by it. Someone else might go around and actually set the trap and bait it, but it is your choice to be offended or not, to take that offence. And often being offended can be a very difficult thing to forgive. Offensive words give you an insight into someone's character and that might you know, turn you off them really and, and, and make you wary of them. But if you choose to take offence, then you actually make a judgement on that person. Um, as, a, as an aside, there was a, a film that I saw a snippet of, uh, The People vs. Larry Flint, which was a, a terrible film, uh, don't watch it, um, about the, uh, the guy Larry Flint who, um, who started Hustler magazine, um, uh, which at its time was you know, very edgy. And they produced, as part of their, their satire, a, a picture of a... Um, a local uh, clergyman, senior clergyman, I think a bishop, in a compromising situation with, uh, with a pig. Uh, you know, they just photoshopped it, or the uh, 1950s equivalent of, of that, um, and, and produced this thing. And he went to court over it. And this guy was massively offended. And he was, he was suing him on grounds of... It's libel, isn't it, when it's printed? Yeah. And, and the defense was this. Libel must be believable for it to be for it to be potentially offensive and or you know um, taken by other people as as truth. Because if it's not believable at all, if I said that I have seventeen legs, you know it's it's not believable. You just you disregard it, and I can't be offended by someone telling me that I've got seventeen legs because I know I haven't. And the defence was this: look. 
can anyone believe that you are in this situation with this pig? Because if they can, then we've got a problem. And if they can't, then I've got nothing to defend. And he was forced to say, actually, no, no one could believe that. I'm saving my character by saying no one could believe that that is a potential situation. And so um, they had to throw the case out. He could not legally take offence because that would admit that it's possible. And sometimes we take offence for those things that are offered out to us that we should just ignore. Because you know that's not your character. You know that's not who you are in Christ or otherwise. And so if someone offends you, you can choose to just go, that is not what I'm taking. It's a shame that you've said those things, and I'll work on forgiveness of you, but I refuse to take offense from that. And so that idea that um, we can choose to be offended or not, and that we can choose to extend forgiveness or not, leads into this next idea that actually the instruction to forgive is the most selfish thing that you can do. Has anyone ever seen um, the NUMA series of, of DVDs? Uh, NUMA is a, a short, the, the short sort of snippet things to make a point and promote discussion. And there's one, my, my favorite one of the series that I saw called Luggage, where they talk about unforgiveness being this set of bags that you carry around with you. And other people can offend you, they can say things, they can do things to you. And if you hold on to unforgiveness, then you're carrying those things around with you in these bags. And you know what happens when you forgive someone is you put the bags down and you're not burdened by them anymore. What has that other person put down? Nothing. Forgiveness is about you. God encourages you for, to forgive because you do it for you. You do it for your health. You do it for your peace. You do it for your relationships with others. You do it for your very soul. If you forgive others, it puts you in a better place. I can't believe what that person did to me. It's hurting me. I will choose to forgive them because that is the best thing I can do for myself. And you'll heap coals upon their head. Don't seek judgment. Don't seek you know, punishment of someone else through, through forgiveness. That's not how it works. Actually forgive them. And that's a choice. Because God has given us this gift of forgiveness in two ways. It's a gift that he forgives us. And forgiveness of others that we can do is a gift to us as well. So by choosing not to forgive someone, who suffers? If I've offended you, and I didn't even know it, and you haven't forgiven me, and I'm walking around all la-di-da and enjoying life, and you're not forgiving me, who suffers? You do. Yeah? But if you choose to forgive me, and I'm oblivious to it, and I, you know, it's between you and God, if you choose to forgive me, who benefits? Well, you do. Because I'm still oblivious and la-di-da. It's a pretty accurate description of how I go around things. I, I do try, no, honestly, I do try to, to have not a blasé attitude, but try to assume the best of people. And so 
if I'm in a discussion with someone else and they say, Do you, have you heard what they said though? That, you know, they said that you know, this was um, what they wanted out of the situation. And, and I'll go, well, I'm not sure they didn't mean it like that. They try to try and see the best in, in people. And it does mean that I get it wrong sometimes. Um, and I have to be corrected in that, and that's fine. But it's a wonderful, you know, wonderfully uplifting way to, to live. Um, so I, I, I totally recommend it. Struggling to forgive is not what destroys us. What destroys us is um, actually not forgiving. Of course it can be a struggle sometimes. Struggling to forgive is fine. You're allowed to work hard on these things. Can I read something um, that, I, that I came across regarding forgiveness? Uh, it was a summary of, of, a, um, of an article that I read. As long as we are in the flesh, we will do our good deeds imperfectly. Okay? Be released. Which includes forgiving others and loving others. We're not, we're not perfect at it. That's good. Jesus died to cover those imperfections. What destroys us is the settled position that we are not going to forgive, that we have no intention to forgive, and we intend to cherish the grudge and hold on to the wrong that someone did to me and feel the bitterness. It feels good. I like to go to bed with my wrath at night because that person legitimately wronged me. I'm going to hold this against them for the rest of their lives, or mine, whichever is shorter. And if we think we can be indwelt by the Holy Spirit and not make war on that kind of attitude, then we are deluded. And I think that's a great summary for us to say that we are actually, we've made a decision that this person doesn't deserve our forgiveness, so they won't receive it. The bitterness that I have in my heart for this person has become part of who I am. It's a special case. Those, those excuses we had earlier. You have that, then where is the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? Where is the evidence that you have said to Jesus, you are Lord of my life? I have a, um, a, just a, a small problem with the, um, with the idea of accepting Jesus as your personal saviour um, because uh, I, I believe that Jesus is the saviour and you accept that status. You accept that Jesus is the saviour. You know, your personal saviour means that you can have different sort of different truths, angles and, uh, and things. Jesus is the saviour. If you come to acknowledge him as the saviour, then that's, for all intents and purposes, the same thing. But if, if you don't recognise that he is saviour of all, and that applies to you as well, then, um, then it's a difficult place to be, isn't it? Because, because that recognition of, of his status as the saviour is key to being saved. And it's key to everything else that follows from it, to accepting the Holy Spirit in our lives and to forgiveness. So, as with all aspects of our ongoing transformation, we need the Holy Spirit and we need Jesus in this. And we, we need to pray. We need to, we need to you know, commit it to God. And I believe, I 
fully believe that there is an opportunity today for those things that came to mind earlier on when I said, you know, what's the worst thing that someone's done to you, for you to step into a new level of forgiveness in this. And it's not a one quick prayer today, job done. It, it might be. And that is a full-on bona fide miracle that you'll find you know, absolute release from it. And that, that's brilliant. It might be something that you choose to do. And as you choose and work it out over the course of time, that, that you'll find that you grow into it. And honestly, the worst thing that's happened to me of late is a disagreement I had with my brother. And, um, and I said something in a, in a way that I shouldn't have done to make a point. And, uh, and he responded to it in a way that he shouldn't have done um, also to make a point. We were point scoring that day. Uh, ended up as a, as a uh, no-score draw, really. We were both you know, coming together to say, look, what you did was really offensive. Don't do that again. And well, he said that to me, and I was like, what I did, what you did was offensive, so I was completely justified. What do you mean you were justified? You should be apologizing. No, what? No, you should be apologizing. And two grown men, literally, that was, that was last year. So two grown men go, no, you started it. And um, <laughs> handbags and a saucer of milk and all the analogies came out. And uh, <laughs> we, got, we got the wives involved. Um, on a, in a good way, because we were getting nowhere between the, the two of us. Um, and so we got them involved to try and mediate and, and help soothe and diffuse the situation so that we could actually move on from it, uh, which they did, both baffled by it, like, what are you two? This is not your characters. What are you doing? Why are you behaving like this? And so we came to a point of forgiveness, um, and, uh, and that, was, that was really good. Um, it can be silly things like that, can't they? And, and if you don't sort them out, then they can fester. And so you can ignore someone that you otherwise had a relationship with because of that. Well, maybe you don't even realize what that thing was or don't remember. I'm sure we had a falling out, and I'm sure at the time it was really important. But, uh, you know, if you're in that kind of situation, we need to you need to come to a point of forgiveness and it should be quite easy. Very, very often at school, I get year nine girls usually coming to me saying that this person said that this person said this about me. Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, lots of... I can... Uh, yeah, I understand where that's coming from. Um, and it is, it's really difficult because they've chosen to take offense. Not only have they chosen to do so, but other friends have tried to engineer this situation so that we can have conflict because conflict's so much more interesting than when people just get along. And some people's friends are just terrible. <laughs> they are. They, all they want, there's a group of them, all they want is beef they call it, rather than conflict. Um, all they want is beef, 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 beef. You get that chanted by people. Instead of fight, 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 it's beef, beef, beef. Um, I thought, like, steak, 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 nice. <laughs> Burger. Um, and so, you know, how dare they make beef a bad thing? And so um, we try so often to diffuse this and said, look, we'll get the two people who have been named in this together and we'll sit them down and say, what's your problem with her? 
what, nothing, then why have people said that you said this? Oh, uh, I don't know, I posted something on Instagram. Um, and so, and we can sort it out because, you know, forgiveness hopefully becomes our, our default position because we need to be encouraged by the idea that it benefits us. If you've done something to wrong someone and you need their forgiveness, then by all means go to them. But that's not what this is about. This is about your responsibility to release others and to release the forgiveness that God gives you. Let's just pop back to that original um, verse. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Please don't take this as a threat. Take it as an encouragement. If you forgive others, then the Holy Spirit's at work in you. Be encouraged. You are forgiven. Yeah? Can I just pray? And it's, um, it's 10 to 12 now. We've got a, a little, little time um, before the others come in and before the band comes up. Not, you know, not just yet. We'll have, we'll have five minutes. Um, to be able to commit those things that I'm sure have sprung to mind um, to God. Father God, I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for the free gift of grace. I thank you that in your very nature you require justice and payment. And I thank you that you have enabled that payment to be made without the need to send us into the fiery pit of torment that, that is the only real um, you know, payment for, for our sin. And Father God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move amongst us now, that your Holy Spirit would help us to forgive others and in doing so receive the free gift of forgiveness that comes through you. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to identify those people against whom we have harbored unforgiveness. May we do ourselves a favor by forgiving those people. Come now, Lord Jesus, I pray.